Welcome to the Entrepreneur Show. Today's guest is Liz Sarah, Chair of the National Women's Business Council. I am Heidi Richards-Mooney, founder of Women in E-Commerce and host of the Entrepreneur Show. And it is, of course, my pleasure to bring you today's program. Let me tell you about our guest. Liz Sarah is the founder and president of Best Marketing, where she consults for more than 90 small businesses in the high-tech sector and serves as chief business advisor to entrepreneurs in creating and executing go-to marketing strategies. Previously, she played a principal role as co-founder of Spaceworks, an e-commerce software company where she facilitated its startup and growth to nearly $25 million in revenue. Miss Sarah recently completed her term as the first female board chair of the Dingman Center of Entrepreneurship at the University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business. Miss Sarah is also an adjunct professor of marketing at the Smith School of Business. She is an angel investor, a mentor to startup CEOs through many incubators and accelerators, and a frequent author and conference speaker on topics related to entrepreneurship and business. Welcome, Liz. Well, thank you so much, Heidi. I'm delighted to be here to chat with you today. Oh, and I'm so happy to have you because I just love what the National Women's Business Council is doing. And I'd love for you to tell our audience what it is that they do, their mission, and of course, their purpose. Well, I am just a huge fan of you for having me on your show and starting with that question because I'm trying to educate more women business owners around the country that we exist in the first place and what we're here to do on their behalf. So the council is actually a small federal agency that was signed into legislation a little over 30 years ago. It's been a best kept secret for a while. And I and my, form, and my current council, council members are trying to change that. So as a marketer, we're trying to get the word out and here's why. Our role is very straightforward and simple. We are the advocates for women business owners around the country and female founders who are trying to actualize their entrepreneurial dreams. We make recommendations every year to Congress, to the White House, to the Small Business Administration, and other federal agencies on things that they can do that will help women build the companies that they have in place or start new companies. Or in some cases, we tell them to get out of the business of legislation or regulations and get rid of things that are holding women back in their areas. So our entire role is to really take the voice of women business owners to the people that matter in Washington so that we can make more women more successful. So how did you get involved in, and what is your work as the chair of the National Women's Business Council? So the council is, is comprised of a chair who is appointed by the president and with each new administration, a new chair gets uh, appointed. And that chair is then responsible for assembling a 14-member board. And what that was one of my first priorities after I accepted the role from the president. And that board consists of five women presidents of business-based organizations featuring women entrepreneurs and eight small business owners, four from the president's party 
and four from the other party. So it is truly a nonpartisan council and in, works independently. So the voice that we carry has a lot of strength to it. And I have been very much uh, involved in elevating our voice so that when we're bringing the issues affecting women around the country to the table in Washington, our voice will be heard and our recommendations will be taken seriously and enacted. So I've been an entrepreneur all of my career. So my direct experiences in starting companies in technology, as well as operating and building small businesses such as my own marketing firm today, really have played into the agenda that I set for our council once I was appointed. So one of the key issues that all women founders face is access to capital. And I know when I had my software company in the very early stages, getting that needed outside money was really critical. And today, as an angel investor, when I'm looking at companies all in the technology field where I'm considering putting my own dollars, I'm not seeing enough of women founders at those companies. So those two experiences have led to two of the issues that we're focusing on this year. One is, how do we help women business owners of all types of businesses, not just technology? They could be dog walking services, delis, daycare providers, and everything in between. How do we help them get needed funds to support their current business operations and grow them? And then a second issue is, as I mentioned, related to technology, how do we get more women involved in starting companies in STEM-related areas? Most women start companies in professional, scientific, and consulting services business. And while those companies add a lot of vibrancy to the neighborhoods that we live in, as many of them tend to be brick and mortar or home-based businesses, we'd like to see more women play on the national stage. And in order for that to happen, the companies need to be of a different type. They need to be companies that become large employers and providers of goods and services that a large market can take advantage of. Architecture, construction, engineering, manufacturing, software, healthcare, all related to those specific fields. So those two areas are two of our priorities. And the third area, while it doesn't relate to me personally, since I grew up in New York City and I live in downtown Washington, DC, is how do we help women in rural communities get their business ventures off the ground? And how do we help support them once those companies are in place? Because they lack all the resources and support services that big cities can offer. So those are our three main pivot areas of focus where we'll have recommendations for Congress and the White House and the SBA and other agencies later this year. So what do you think is holding women back in general on to be play more on the global stage, if you will, especially in technology? I think confidence. Mm -hmm. I am a, the most non-technical person that I've ever met and someone who has spent an entire career in technology, I could barely send and receive email. And I think there's this mistaken notion by many women that if you're not a computer science degreed individual or you're not a software developer, then you shouldn't be starting a software company. Well, heck with that. 
I think every smart business has a smart team with experts in a lot of areas that every business requires. Finance, legal, sales, marketing, technology, whatever. And just because you're not a software developer doesn't mean you can't start a software company. Go find a partner. Go find a co-founder. If you're good at sales, get someone who is good at technology. But be passionate about that technology solving a problem. So the problem could be providing clean water in certain parts of the world, and you've come up with some technology solution to address that. So women need to think a little bit bigger and to have confidence that they don't need to know everything in order to get a company off the ground. Yep, they just need to hire the best <laughs> if they don't know it. I, I, I had a wonderful interview with a lady who developed an app and she was a school teacher, nothing to do with technology, but she saw this need for uh, a company that develops apps for small businesses and she's thought, you know, I'm going to do that. And she found the right people who knew how to do what it is she envisioned. Because really having the vision is probably the biggest challenge is, you know, once you have a vision, if you find people who can, who ha also see that vision and can help you follow it through to the end, I think that's probably the bigger challenge. And so I totally agree with you. I think confidence is huge and, and, you know, I, I do a little bit of technology, but I'm certainly no expert and I don't know how to code or anything like that. But I think that the confidence is, has, has helped me tremendously in my own business. So I agree with you 100%. It's really key. And when I look at male founders of tech companies, they are very good at the development of that app. They aren't necessarily good at running the business. Right. And so that is not holding men back from starting more and more tech companies or developing more and more apps. They then go out and find the people that are good at the sales and the marketing or the finance. And so women need to take note of that and apply that to their own world and you know, to their own career as a potential entrepreneur. It's oh. know, know what you're good at and then get others to fill in the gaps. I totally agree. So let's talk about how the NWBC is helping women-led businesses during the pandemic. A really unfortunate crisis that all of us in the U.S. and around the world are coping with. So one of the big challenges for everyone, and women in particular, in terms of their businesses, has been getting funding to keep the companies that they have in place going, when in many cases, the doors are locked and customers aren't coming in. Because about 45% of all women-owned businesses are in the services area, whether they're home-based businesses or whether they're brick-and-mortar businesses, getting access to the emergency government loans provided through the PPP was really important. What all of us read about and heard on TV during that first round of PPP funding was how so many very large loans went to very large restaurant chains. So as the NWBC Council, we started conversations and open dialogue with the SBA to make sure that the second round of PPP funding was gonna be allocated in such a way that very small women-owned businesses would have a fair shake of getting those funds 
and not more of these big chains. So we were very delighted in the outcome of those conversations. And, and I spoke directly with the SBA administrator on this issue that about $60 billion were then set aside to very small lenders and banking institutions. And that made a real difference because many of the second round loans did go to smaller companies and we're hoping many of those smaller companies were owned by women. We don't have the data based on gender at this point, uh, but we've been asking for it and hope we may be able to see that just to be able to compare how women businesses did compared to their male counterparts. So funding was very, very critical. And, and so important. I know so many of my own um, colleagues have applied and many of them have received funding. So, and a lot of them are women. So I know in the South Florida market, a lot of women have gotten money and I know some who have not. Um, I was fortunate in that I didn't need it. So I didn't even bother to apply, but I know that there were a lot of companies who, you know, just business totally stopped. So thank goodness for, you know, these type of resources. It was so necessary. And I have a little data point for you, for your, for your Florida uh, viewers. The state of Florida got 432,000 PPP loans processed, which is great. And those loans totaled about $32 billion. So hopefully there was lots of women-owned businesses within those numbers. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing that. Let's talk, well, before we talk, I'd like to talk a little bit about your company, but one of the things I'd like, I think our listeners and, and viewers would like to know is how we could get involved in the w, NWBC. Is there a way to get involved? Is there a way to advocate? What, what can we, as a general populace of women in business, do to uh, support the, the organization and what it does? Thank you for even asking that question. So there are a number of things that you can do. We've had to unfortunately move all of our in-person roundtable events that we were hosting last year around the country as well as in Puerto Rico to get a firsthand uh, view of what's holding women back and where do they need some support. We've moved all of those to a virtual basis right now. So anyone who is interested, I invite you to sign up to receive the invitations to all of our virtual events and our webcasts, because that is the way that you can talk to us about what is holding your company back. So the kinds of business that you have, the location of your business is all important to us. Go to the NWB website. So it's nwbc.gov. And there are many ways that you could sign up to be on our email list, as well as to attend these roundtables or participate in our webinars. We do at least one webinar a month and pretty nearly one roundtable a month. And those roundtables are organized according to these three topics. So access to capital, how do we encourage women to uh, get into STEM-related business ventures, and how do we support women in rural communities? So join us and then follow us on social media because that's where we're posting updates on what we're doing and the kinds of things that we're thinking about recommending. On September 29th, we will be hosting our public meeting where we share all of the recommendations in these three areas that we intend to uh, present in December. 
to Congress and the White House and SBA. And that's where we want to get your input. So please, we, we welcome everyone to join us at that public meeting. Of course, it'll be virtual and you will have an opportunity both to speak as well as to ask questions. So sign up now so that you're included. I'll make sure we share this on all our social and I will follow you so that I can see what you're posting and reshare it as well. So thank you. I think what you guys are doing uh, as a whole organization and for this country and for women in, in particular is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about your company, Best Marketing. I want to know how you built it to become a premier firm helping the tech sector. So it really... It happened accidentally is the short answer, Heidi, to how I'm doing this, this firm. Um, when we sold my software company in 2001, and believe me, it was not a great sale because we were on the path to do an IPO in the year 2000. And for those of you old enough to remember and worked in the business world back then, that is when the dot-com bubble burst. So not a good time to take a company public. So ultimately we still needed capital and selling the company was, was the best option. And that happened in 2001. So while I was waiting to think of my next entrepreneurial software idea, a couple of people in the tech sector in the DC area heard about what I had done with this company, knew that I had sold it and approached me and said, look, we can't hire you Liz to come here because I'm still working here, but we could use some help. You know, the revenue isn't coming in. We don't know what we're doing wrong help us figure this out. So what was supposed to be a few months has now turned into almost 20 years and close to 100 companies. So obviously I love what I'm doing, otherwise I would have done something completely different 18 or 19 years ago. And I think it's the experience that I bring to my clients as an entrepreneur, as someone who has started a company from a blank sheet of paper and has had to grow it and witness all the trials and tribulations and challenges that every startup founder faces and manage to navigate my way through those and get the company to a good stage. And so the advice that I give is, is beyond just simple sales and marketing, but in many ways very strategic in helping companies look at potentially different products or potentially different markets or different business models than what they're doing in order to help them get to that next level, whether it's from a $5 million company to a 10 or a $100,000 a year company to 1 million. Wow. So what do you like most about what you do? I think it's really working with the variety of technologies that are changing the way businesses operate or changing the way we as consumers that interact with those businesses operate. So I'm more interested in what the technology does in helping us live our lives or do our jobs rather than how that technology is made. And the various roles that I've played before starting my own uh, software company, Spaceworks, prior to that, really had the same similarities. You know, what, what attracted me to the companies that I worked in that were very entrepreneurial, to use a word that didn't exist back then, opportunities and very disruptive um, technologies that had not existed before. So for example, I was part of a team at LexisNexis 
that created a completely additional product addressing international business. And for those of you that, that have been familiar with LexisNexis, that's the big legal and news online service that's been around for 40, 50 years or possibly more. And then I worked with a brand new team at United Press International, the global news agency that really doesn't exist today. And we were the first to deliver real-time news to corporate America. And that was my role, figure out how do we take news that radio, TV, and newspapers use in their own reporting and package it and deliver it to a business executive's desk. And no one had done that before. So I really enjoyed being on that leading edge of how technology changes business and, and changes the way we use it in both our daily as well as business lives. And that has been what's been fascinating for me. Wow, and you've, it seems like you've really had quite a diverse career, however, still staying within a certain space, if you will. You know, I'm sure it's the, probably the, the type of market that you're, you're going after may not necessarily be what a lot of us do. Um, I'm a small business owner, so my, my clients are in the 500,000 to 1 million range, but I'm sure that, you know, working with the larger firms is, you know, has obviously challenges of its own, but comes comes with that is uh, probably a larger marketing budget <laughs> yeah. you know and a, a lot of things that we you know that you can you can work with in a different way than maybe a small business owner does so so taking what you do on a large scale how could a small what what is one thing a small business person could do that could help their business say today to get you know, get their, get the word out there. And, and I'm not just saying generically social media, but maybe just a one specific thing that you could, you could uh, advise people on. Well, what I see happening a lot, uh, and it, it, it's unfortunately occurring, but it's really a result of the situation and the pandemic and forced closures that are going on is people taking a step back and saying, how can I deliver my product or service in a different way? So if it's a small business that has had a face-to-face -face service, but people are still a little concerned about close contact and social distancing issues, I would say, look at, is there another way to package what you do and deliver it in a different way? Now, this is not gonna work for everyone. So if you're a hairstylist, you need to work on people's hair and you need the person there. So you can't, you can't move your business to a digital business. But if you're a personal trainer and rather than meeting with your clients face-to-face, -face, package it up in a video series and then look at how can you take that video series and not just make it available to your clients. Maybe you'll do some things at a lower cost than what you were charging them for your one hour of time you know, with them, but look at whether there is a digital way to deliver what you've been doing in an analog world or an analog mode. As I said, it doesn't apply for everything, but there might be something that you can do. Well, and I think it, do, it does apply to a majority of businesses today. You're right, they, you know, if you're a nail tech or a hairstylist hair or those where you have to be hands-on, it can be, difficult, but I'm looking at restaurants and what they've done and how they're delivering meals and, and chambers of commerce, how they're having their virtual events and, and having people actually eat with them because they'll, 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 they'll actually 
design the menu, have the, the whoever they're going to have as they're uh, delivering the food that week, and then people just order from the chamber and they deliver the food right to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking, wow, that's creative. That's a beautiful thing. So yes, there are, I agree with you, there are some situations where it can't work, but for a lot of it, it can. I think you just have to be a little creative, which is what I love about marketing, you know? Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. So where do you see yourself, Liz, in five years? Well, um, that's a tough question uh, because if I was asked that five years ago, I would have never answered that I would be involved with the National Women's Business Council. Uh, So I'm hoping that I will continue to be on my journey in both technology and supporting entrepreneurs, uh, in particular supporting female entrepreneurs. So there might be other side gigs, let's say, that come up once I finish my term as chair. Got one year left on my appointment. And um, I, I sincerely hope that uh, there will be other avenues where I can help encourage and motivate more women to start that entrepreneurial venture today. If one door closes of employment opportunity as a result of the pandemic, and you've had any entrepreneurial leanings, now is the time to wow. walk through that window. Wow, that's so true. Any last thoughts? Well, I would love to hear from your viewers. I would love to connect with them. I invite any of them to connect with me on LinkedIn or follow me on Twitter because I'm always posting information that I come across that will support female founders, whether it's pitch competitions or access to new grants for funding or opportunities for them to network and establish partnerships. So join me and connect with me. So it would be, they would just look for Liz, Sarah, S-A-R-A? Yes, Liz, Sarah uh, on LinkedIn and on Twitter. My handle is at Liz, Sarah PR. And of course, we'd love to have you join us on uh, at NWBC. That's our Twitter on handle and National Women's Business Council on LinkedIn. So connect with us. And when we're posting things that may or may not be of interest to you, please share them with your colleagues and with your network because there might be someone that can take advantage of it. Yes, and and for our viewers and listeners, be sure you go to nwbc.gov and sign up for their virtual events, especially that all important September public meeting. Liz, it has been a delight to have you. Thank you so much for being with us today. You've been listening to Liz Sarah from the National Women's Business Council. I'm Heidi Richards-Mooney from The Entrepreneur Show. I want to thank you all for being with us and be sure to stay tuned for our next meeting, next show featuring Rosanna Santos, president and CEO of Big Chef, a gourmet catering and food manufacturing company that has uh, managed to stay viable in today's uh, global Uh, challenges that we're facing. Thank you, Liz, again for being with us. My pleasure.